0: We're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. i say 21 like that because I don't know, there's this YouTube clip going around that the girls have been talking all about and it's a, what is it says, what's 9 plus 10? And then he says, you can or what? So it's 21, it's a, you know, that's got nothing to do with the preach, but just the number 21 makes me laugh at the moment for, for family reasons, so uh, there's other people who know that as well. So... <laughs> Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Okay. The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. (coughs) And in verse 20 it says in that same chapter, From the fruit of their mouth a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips they are satisfied. We... We've been looking at two weeks ago a vision statement. We've been looking at the book of Nehemiah and this call through steady process, through steady obedience to see Plumstead transformed. And I want to talk to you today about one tool, one weapon in the armoury. It's not all the weapons in the armoury, it's one of them. <coughs> the power of words to bring transformation and the power of words to release life both into our own hearts both into our own families and then into our own communities. The Bible says there's life in the power of the tongue and there's also death in the power of the tongue. As someone says, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones but words will never hurt me. That's actually nonsense (coughs) because most of the wounds that we carry and the lies that we believe about ourselves and our circumstances and other people and God have their roots in somebody said something to us something hurtful to us. Mm -hmm. So I want to pray for us now because you're probably going to, you know, there might be things that someone said to you in the past that we're just going to clear out of the way so that we can see the verse and how it brings life because there are words that someone said over us, maybe it was a mum, maybe it was a dad, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a husband, maybe it was a wife. It has to normally be someone of significant influence, someone we highly value their opinion, and in speaking negative, or or cursing, as it were, or death, has actually held us back. So, you know, you'll know that's you. It's this, this come before God, it's like the Holy Spirit, because he wants to set you free. And it doesn't have to take forever, okay? It really doesn't. Sometimes it's just identifying the lie you've believed that came in through the words that were spoken over, and just renouncing agreement with it. So we invite the Holy Spirit right now to any areas where death has come in to our lives through the words of someone's mouth. Mm-hmm. And we come against that right now. We come against words that say, you'll never amount to anything. But that's not biblical. That's not the assessment of heaven. We, we come against words where people have said, you're ugly, or you'll never fit, or you'll never succeed. Or any words that you know in your heart right now, just begin to say, Father, I renounce that lie, partnering with that lie, believing that lie that came in through those words. And I want to hear the life-giving word of God. I want to hear the assessment of heaven that says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And you you, you carry gifts and you carry an anointing and and you carry the favour of God. You've got the favour of heaven. Jesus, he says in Ephesians, we're seated with him in heavenly places. We want to find the perspective of the heavenly places. How does heaven view you? Mm-hmm. How does heaven see you? Say, so, yes, we do break that off in the name of Jesus. We break off break every um, deaf-speaking word that you've ever heard. And we say, Holy Spirit, even right now, be dropping in um, scriptures and the assessment of heaven into those areas mm-hmm. in Jesus' name. And yes, someone does sozo would say, what do you give me in exchange for that? This is the lie, I believe. This came in for these death spoken words. Now, Holy Spirit, what's the what's the upgrade? What's the assessment of heaven? What does Scripture say about me? What would your voice say into that? Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. So we know that life is more powerful than death. Yeah? Life is more powerful than death. That is true that death can come through words. But we know that actually, uh, life can come through words. We know there's power of life and death in the, in the tongue. And the universe, the world, runs according to spiritual laws. Now there are natural laws in the world, aren't there? Like the law of gravity. If I step off a building, every time I'm going to hit the ground and go smack. It, it happens every single time. It's a law of gravity. You can depend upon it. I guess aeroplanes have uh, kind of, aerodynamics have kind of found a way of going beyond the laws of gravity to the, to the laws of lift. But there's a law of gravity that, that works. And this verse is saying there's a law in the universe, there's a law in the world, there's a law in the way that God has made things, that says this, that the words we speak can be death-producing words, and the words we speak can be life-producing words. And thank God for his mercy, that even where we've spoken death-producing words, that life can still come in his mercy, but there's something about co-labouring with the way things, the way God has designed it, that it's great when there's mercy for the wrong things we've said, and there is mercy. So you might think, I've been with the people who've spoken death, and you've got to get mercy and grace today, okay? There's mercy in it. God can redeem it. God can work it together for good, Okay? Those careless words you might be thinking right now, I, I'm not just a victim of them, I'm, a, I'm one who has spoken them. God says there's mercy in that, okay? So mm. this is not to now condemn yourself. God can redeem it, God can work even that together for good, God can set people free from that. But we want to we want to co labor with God's spiritual laws, don't we? So God is saying there's life and there's death in the power of of our words. So we want these uh, truths to work for us and not against us. That's what these verses are saying this morning. We want these truths to work for us and not against us. Life is in the power of the tongue. You can create... Yeah, you can create um, an atmosphere... A context where people thrive with the words that you use. That's what these verses are doing. Life is in the power of the tongue. That you can create a context in your office, in your family, in your own heart, where life is released. And where people come into life and begin to thrive. And begin to come into all that they're meant to be. So, we want to work with God's spiritual laws. That our words do matter. That our words have substance to them. Our words can create reality. That God spoke the universe into being and said, Let there be. He said something. Jesus spoke to the fig tree and he cursed it and it withered. That our words are not just casual things, they're life. Giving things. They're words that can create life and create peace and create hope and create joy and create expectation and cause people to thrive and flourish and bloom. There's power in the tongue. And you might be thinking, does that get represented at all in the New Testament? And Paul says in the book of Ephesians, very similar things. I'm going to read these verses to you. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. It says, or Ephesians, yeah, Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And it's interesting that. Just above it, it says, Those who steal should steal no longer, but get a job so they might be able to give and meet other people's needs. So, the, 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 the way the New Testament works is it's not just about stopping something, um, stop stealing, it's about get a job, be generous, you can meet other people's needs. So, the New Testament doesn't just come and say, Stop, stop swearing, just stop being negative, stop speaking deaf, so that we put a kind of lid on our mouth. It says, no, 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 begin to understand that the words that you speak can benefit others, can be empowerments to others, can be containers of grace to others. So it's not merely stopping something, it's beginning something with expectation that the words I say can have substance, can create something, can establish thriving and, and blooming and flourishing. Words impart grace, they build up people, they encourage people words have empowerment within them to enable someone to do what they couldn't do before. Encouragement means (laughs) I lend you my courage. I give you my courage so that you now can do what you previously couldn't do before. And that is contained in words. It might be in very... This is the one tool we're looking at this morning and there's probably lots of other ways that encouragement and strength can be imparted. It can be through the laying of of hands. Paul says that in Romans 1. I want to... Be with you so that I might impart some spiritual gift. And that was going to come through the laying on of hands. That's another way that impartation comes. It can come obviously hearing God's voice, God's words spoken in his word. So our words that we speak can build up, they can strengthen, they can encourage us to do something we previously couldn't have done before so life is in the power of the tongue the words that we form the things that we say to other people the things that we say to ourselves actually are containers of grace to enable us to do something we previously couldn't do before so all of us have that capacity to release life (coughs) to people through the words that we say to them and the words that we say about them In fact, it doesn't really matter whether the person is there listening, you all know that the death that can be produced in the office through gossip and backbiting and complaining, that actually it produces an atmosphere of death, but actually behind their back if you speak life and encouragement and comfort and exhortation is actually producing in the very atmosphere life in the office. It's producing something that wasn't there before. So Words can impart strength. Words can give courage and a capacity to do what we previously hadn't done before. How many of you have had someone say something to you about you and you just felt a hundred times bigger and bolder and stronger than you were before because someone said something to you? Someone once said that actually one of the reasons we can feel exhausted in our faith is because we lack encouragement. We don't feel we're doing very well. We don't feel we're succeeding. We don't feel we're making progress. But actually words can encourage us and strengthen us and enable us to be able to go further, faster and higher. So words give capacity to us to do what we've previously not been able to do before. So as we believe this, so as we believe this truth, will begin to speak on purpose and far more and far more diligently. It says in James that a rudder on a boat can steer the whole boat in a direction, and a bit in a horse's mouth can steer a whole horse, so that the whole body of someone can be directed towards their future by the words that they speak. James says in the negative, a forest can be set on fire by negative words, by ungodly words, by evil words. And then he says, who can control the tongue? Well, I don't think that's the conclusion. I don't think we should take that as the conclusion that James is saying, well, no one can control the tongue. It's the bit that no one can control. Because actually, the Bible says, Holy Spirit's in us. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Yeah. So we, we don't just take one verse in isolation. We, we realise there's a power in James 3. saying, so look, the tongue is a powerful, powerful force. And it seems to be uncontrollable. Galatians 5 says actually we've got the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control. And self-control is my ability to tell myself what to do when I obey me. And so we do have God within us. We're not mere human beings trying to stamp down negative words. With those who cooperate and co labor with God, as I've, I've got the spirit of self control within, within me, and I can direct myself where I want to go by my words.
1: <coughs> and so, as we
0: believe that life is in the power of the tongue, we'll begin to speak on purpose and not casually. Isn't it a wartime slogan that said, Loose lips cost lives? In other words, you don't know who you're speaking to. If you start telling that person in the shop about um, an army base, loose lips can cost lives because they can maybe come a bomb there. Actually, if we had that ethos, actually, my lips can release life. We would begin to increasingly speak on purpose. We'd have a new emphasis on the words that we choose because what we... Choose to speak is activated in people's lives. And all of you are got people in your world where you're the most significant influence in their world. All of us are connected to people like that. It can be at the workplace where maybe you're a manager of people. And all of us can have the opportunity to activate something in people's lives. You can actually release someone into what God made them to be by speaking it into being before they ever saw it. That every person in this room, God has a pre-planned purpose for you to run in. It's something you were designed for. It's something that you thrive in. It's something that you love. It's something that's going to further his kingdom and bring him glory. It, it can be every single aspect of life. It's all. Every part of it can be from cooking to Acting to 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 hospitality, to the job that you do, every part, and actually you can cause people to go to a higher level by speaking that over them and declaring that over them. What you say carries weight. We have to be convinced that we carry that kind of weight. And often we're convinced in the negative, but we're not always so convinced in the positive remember Wendy Backland, one of the leaders in the Bethel Church, said they had a Sunday where, for some reason, they were all a bit nervous and a bit anxious because some witches had got in the building and, and spoken a curse. And they were all a bit anxious about that because they believed that in the words carried weight. And they could imagine what a curse looks like. How many of us go back and think, oh, that, that believer blessed me. That believer spoke blessing on me. I don't know what I'm going to do when the promotion comes. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just trusting God that that, that, that I'm going to be okay. How many anticipate that actually, through the words that we say, that it can be a conduit, a pipe to release God's abundant blessing on someone's life? Many of us walk around anxious and fearful of, of, of spiritual forces of darkness and the words that they might say and actually attach no weight at all on the words of life and the abundance that can be released for an encouraging, comforting, exhorting word that comes from a brother or sister. Our words carry weight, they have substance, they create things, they activate things, they produce things, they propel us and catapult us into our future and into the things that God has got for us. So we need to be convinced of the words power, so that as we speak to people we're consciously aware I want this to come from an overflowing heart of peace and expectation and optimism and hope because my words carry weight. Sometimes the best thing we can do for ourselves spiritually is not say anything. Sometimes our best recourse to grow spiritually is to be silent. When Joshua went to the walls of Jericho, he says, no one speak. Because the last time someone spoke, we ended up walking in the desert (laughs) for 40 (laughs) years. So no one speak. And sometimes the best thing we can do, if we've got nothing good to say, I'm not going to release death over myself and curse this and this and this by my death-producing words. It's better I'm silent until I've got something hope-filled and joy-filled. And I think it's not so much we want to live in denial and have no one where we can talk, because James also says confess to one another, confess your sins to one another. And there's a place and there's a time for unpacking, there's a place and a time for for counselling, there's a place and a time to get a mature brother and sister where you begin to speak out and say, this is how I really feel, this is what I really believe. I'm not saying we should become word police. You know, the alarm and the siren goes off as soon as we hear anything that's deaf or negative. No, actually, we just need to have self-control. This is not a a launch pad for us to control everybody else's. You know, I've got enough... I need enough grace to control me. I can't go word police on you. I need to get my tongue under control so I'm speaking life. And so we want to speak words that produce life. Become a student of your words. Jesus says, "From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks." Find out what you really believe by listening to your words—not so much the words that you speak when you're praying, but what what do you actually say when you come out of prayer? Because that's what you really believe. You know, we all can get the spiritual language and say the right thing, but what I really believe about God and myself and others and my circumstances comes out in my words later. What I really believe comes out when I'm tired. Or when I'm hungry. Or or when I'm frustrated and something didn't happen how I wanted, when I wanted, as quick as I wanted. That's when I find out what I really believe about God. And that's when I need to come to God and say, God, let grace grow in my heart. Let faith grow in my heart. Let faith be formed. I want to believe you in deeper and deeper ways. Jesus said... It's not what goes into your stomach that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth. Mm. And even our words can they lead us to spiritual health and spiritual <coughs> vitality. So words create life. There's one man in the Bible that God said something to. And that was Abraham. And his words, God's word, God's calling something, produce something. It says in um, uh, Romans chapter 4... And verse 17 it says as it is written I have made you a father of many nations he is called our father in the sight of God in whom he believed the God who gives life to the dead and call things that were not God changes a man's name from Abram exalted father honored father to Abraham which means father of a multitude because God had promised that His offspring would outnumber the stars in the sky and outnumber the grains of sand on the shore, and it's happened, and it's happening. Because in Galatians, Paul says that Abraham's offspring, obviously, it was Isaac, but ultimately, it's Christ, and Christ is the blessed one who's blessing all the nations, and His offspring is outnumbering, outnumbering the stars in the sky and outnumbering the grains of sand in heaven, of earth. Uh, sorry. And I think on and off side of that, it means heaven's going to be really full, okay? Because God has promised Abraham a huge inheritance through ultimately through Christ. But the interesting thing here is that God calls into being things that were not. God says something about something before there's any evidence of it even being possible. And Abraham's, in hope against all hope, believed. He was able to look at his body, dead, and Sarah's body, barren, and yet in hope against hope, he believed God. God called something before it even was. God said something about Abraham before there was any evidence of it whatsoever. He called him by a name that Abraham couldn't produce in a million years. He had no power or potency to bring about the promise. Sarah was barren. His body was as good as dead. But he believed in the name that God called him. God said something, and it established in his heart assurance and confidence and hope that what God had said about him, God was going to do. The power is in agreement. The power is saying, I agree with what you call me, God. I agree with the assessment of heaven. It's the thing that Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18. Fight according to the prophecies that were spoken about you. It's in believing what God has called you and called us and called me to be. Before there's any evidence of it. That causes us to walk in faith. And causes us to be fruitful in the very thing that seems impossible. And so God uses this method. He calls things He says something and he creates something. Hmm. God has said something Hmm. about this area, he's called something. He said something about us as a community before we're living in the manifestation and the good of it, but he said something about us. He said, you're going to be a church that percolates out the presence of God. I love that word percolate because it makes me think of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That we're going to bring an aroma. Something from us is going to go out into the community. He said... You're a people who carry buckets of the presence of God wherever you go. The love of God, the kindness of God, the attentiveness of God. He said that there's a river flowing out of this place into the community. He said remarkable presence and remarkable testimony about us and about what he wants to do. He's talked about remarkable manifestations of healing and the miraculous among us through you and through me. He's talked about many, many people coming to know Jesus and coming to know the love of God. That far outstrips anything the church has ever seen in its history. God has said things about where we live. That he's called us something. Before there's huge amounts of evidence of it. We're a people. Who we can say. Because we're right here in Plumstead. Plumstead is our inheritance. It's ours. We're here for the blessing of this area. We are here to bring good news to thousands of people. We're here that this area which has always been known for poverty and lack might be known for creating things and might be known for its abundance and might be known for the incredible academic success of the young people who live here it might be known as a place of health might be a place where businesses are thriving and prospering and employing other people a place where nations get impacted and people get touched and go back and plant church after church after church We're a people who are called to be a transformed people who transform an area. That's what he calls us to be. To be radically transformed by the love and the goodness of the gospel ourselves and to bring that radical transforming power everywhere we go, Mm. into every environment, to every situation that we face. That's what he calls us. And we have to be those who say, I trust who you call me to be you calling me something before there's great deals of evidence of it, God. You're calling me by a name that is not yet apparent. There's not yet the full manifestation of it. But you're calling me by that, so I must agree with you and call myself by the same words that you use about me. Whatever I see, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the certainty about things that are yet to come. And that's the kind of journey we're on as a people. That we will be the kind of people like Abraham who can say, but we're only a few people, God. And we feel so inadequate and we feel so powerless. Yet I'm going to, in hope, against all hope, I'm going to agree with who you say I am. God said to Jeremiah, do not call yourself only a youth. Do not call yourself by a negative conclusion based upon what you can see in the natural. I'm calling you to this. And we've got to be people who line up with God's calling and God's assessment and says, this is who I am. This is who I am. I may be the only believer in my whole family. But heaven has now invaded my family. I'm a carrier of the kingdom of God. Where I go, the king goes. Where I go, the presence of God goes. I'm in this family and I'm going to influence every single aspect of it. It's going to thrive. It's going to prosper because I'm there. It might not just be the things I say. It's going to be the things I say about myself that's going to cause that to happen. Our words can demolish arguments. Our words can strengthen and encourage us. Our words can line us up to agree with, with, God. So the application of this is to become intentional speakers, to become people who are fully persuaded that the words I say and the words I don't say carry weight. They carry power. They carry life. And what we're going to do now is we're going to we're going to practice a bit of that. And um, I've just. Prime Tim, Katrina Rochelle. What I don't want you to come to is the conclusion that we are the only people who can comfort, encourage and exhort people because we're not. This is just an example. It's an illustration. And we're going to encourage some of you. And you're going to go away encouraged and strengthened and fortified and believe launched into increase because of the words that get spoken. We are basically, the Bible talks a lot about uh, encouragement, and prophecy really is encouragement under the power of the Holy Spirit. There's something powerful about encouragement and lending courage and seeing the gold in people and speaking it out. There's something powerful that happens in that, and it's something every believer can do because Jesus says, My sheep know my voice. And if you're a sheep this morning, you know the shepherd's voice, and you can hear his voice and you can speak his voice. You don't have to be specially qualified. You don't have to be on the journey very, very long. You just have to be connected to the good shepherd. You just need to be a child of the king. So this is an illustration. It's not to put a ceiling over anybody. You have to be a certain leader to be able to encourage. We want to believe that these are the environments every community group needs to be full of. Encouraging environments where the gold that's in you gets pulled out and placed. And then people come away, strengthened to go into all that God has got for them. So we're going to invite these guys to come. I just want to encourage Janine. I don't even want to stand, and that's embarrassing. And uh, I just, I, you, I just see you, and you, you you're, you're a powerhouse. And I don't, I don't think you, you, you know that about yourself, and maybe you don't believe that about yourself. But I know these fairs that you put on, and I know the heart under them, which is about celebration of culture but also about pulling down glass ceilings above people and you're, you're a real demolisher <laughs> and a real tearer down of things that have actually held people down and you're doing it through celebration and you're doing it through celebrating culture and there's something beautiful about that and I think that's why the, there's, there's, God's favour is all over you that's why people are attracted to what you're doing and that's why this last one you is, is we were talking about the mayor and different people things that we know about, there's this, this favour being drawn to it. And I was thinking actually, in the same way that Joshua had a strategy to walk around seven times and then blow the trumpet, just thought God is going to give you strategy that's actually going to bring increase to what you're doing. Now I just feel actually God would say to you that this is a real time to come to him and say, Father, what's your wisdom on this? Because I just feel, he's saying, you're so magnetic and you're so able to do this, but he just wants you to come into a quiet place with him and say, Father, you've got a strategy, you've got wisdom. And James says he gives wisdom without finding fault. And I just feel he wants to give you wisdom like he gave to um, Joshua, which was to walk around and blow the trumpets and the walls came down. I just feel there's wisdom from heaven that's going to bring... Um, bring unity among people groups, celebration and unity. And I, I really want to prophesy that it's not just going to be uh, amongst the Afro-Caribbean people, but I, I want to pray that God would use it to be a thing in London for, for white people to look at and different European groups to look at and say, "Wow, we celebrate too." And it would be a be a, a means of unity that's much bigger than you realize, and much much more impactful than you realize.
2: Okay, uh, and you? <laughs> uh, just Anju. Angiu, Angiu. I got it. Ask her to tell. What do you want to say? Your name? Anju. Anju. Close. 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 close, close. That's very good. Um, I just had uh, for you uh, from from the story of Esther and uh, uh, the fact that she was, and I just felt for, that she she was obviously those who you know the story. She was made queen. And it was a, a place of great, uh, um, uh, you know, authority and, and a tremendous um, uh, place. That, and, and it was almost, she, Esther could have thought, no, I've arrived now. I've done everything that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm where God wants me. And, you know, I'm doing everything. And I just think people often say that, actually, because what, what Esther was good at was persevering. She persevered through, uh, you know, that she didn't just sort of rest with where she was. She didn't think, actually, I've, I've arrived that's fine, I'm doing what God wants me to do. There was a, a greater purpose for her, and she persevered, and she pressed on, and I, I believe God was saying that he's seen that in you, that, that you know, you've, you've done quite a lot in your life, and you might have thought you've, you've arrived, but actually God's saying that your perseverance, the way you <coughs> kept going, is that there's so much more for you, and, and that there's, there's a lot that you're going to achieve, and it's, it's going to be greater than what's actually gone before. And um, and that you know that, that you were born for this, and that you know, and God has seen your perseverance. God's seen your the, the the hidden times, if you like, and uh, and He's got much more for you to come, as there was for Esther. She she her greatest thing was towards the end, not at the beginning. Not it, that it was towards the end for you, but uh, you know, <laughs> um, just that you know, that don't don't think, oh, I've, you know, I've done all this, but actually, no, there's there's much more to come. And Esther's uh, was you know her, her time came. And great deliverance and great things happened through her after being queen a long time. Yeah.
1: yeah. I kind of really felt God wanted me to say it. I know it's weird. (laughs) But when you came back again the last few weeks, I just thought there was such a persistence about you, thinking about perseverance and a tenacity. And I think God really likes that. And I was thinking, well, what's that like? And I was thinking about the beggars. Were they Gate Beautiful or something like that? I used to shout really loudly. And I thought, is it like that? And, and I thought, no, it isn't. And um, in our community groups, we've been, in, been encouraged over the next couple of weeks to read miracles. And I don't know if you've been doing this, but the first one to read is in John 2, where Jesus turns the water into wine. And his mum says to him, we've run out of wine. And he says to her, woman, what's it got to do with me? My time's not come. And she doesn't say, oh dear, sorry, Jesus, and go off. She just says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And I really like that. When I've been thinking about it, I think there's like a bit of a banter between Jesus and his mum. And I was saying to Thomas, a bit like me and him, I might say, do something. He might give me a bit of cheek back. But he'll do it because he loves me and respects me. And I just thought, isn't that amazing? Jesus kind of lowered himself, let his mum kind of nag him a bit. He has a bit of a banter with her, and he does what she asks. And I thought, yeah, your persistence and your tenacity, I think God wants you to move from, if you were like a person shouting loudly, wondering, if God is God going to hear you, to somebody who's got a really brilliant, close relationship with God, where he banters with you and wants to meet your needs and wants to be really close to you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
3: Um, I really um, was reminded, uh, when I looked at you, I was reminded of Mary breaking up the perfume at Jesus' feet. And I think there's something uh, about how much you love Jesus and how much you love worshipping him and being in his presence. It comes really naturally from you. But I was remind, reminded in the story that some people might have scoffed and said, oh, what she's doing, spending all this time and this very expensive perfume, it's nonsense, yes. And humanly speaking, sometimes it looks like nonsense and you might have been mocked for it and you know, and not been taken serious, seriously because of it. But um, I, I, just, I just have this feeling that Jesus said, thank you so much, that was so precious. I just love your worship, I just love being with you, and this is this is really the most precious thing you can do for me, and just go deeper my presence, because I've got amazing things made for you, and this is the right place to be right now.
2: Thank you. Um, I'd like to, to, to speak to this lady, I don't know your name actually. I, I can't remember your
1: name. Maureen. actually I've
2: had well. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know you very well at all, Maureen, but I, I just felt God speak about Abraham to me. And um, so this, hope this is right, but particularly, obviously, Abraham was known for his faith. And Abraham was known for his unreasonable faith. Uh, in the midst of um, just impossible situations, uh, he believe God. And God uh, loved him for that and rejoiced over him for that. And, you know, as an example, I just believe that God, actually, that you have real faith. Um, and I think particularly for uh, maybe a family situation or a situation at higher than you, you exhibit faith. Uh, and, and people around you may think you're being unreasonable. But God says, no, oh, he, he sees that you are a, a woman who trusts God, that you have faith in him. And, uh, and it's not unreasonable, it's not unreasonable what your faith and trust in God is, and, uh, and he delights in that, and, and he wants you to just, uh, just to be encouraged that your faith is not unreasonable, because uh, you trust in him, and uh, for your family and for, for, your, for the situation you're in, you know, to say, yeah, you can have faith, because actually it's going to be rewarded, it will come uh, to what God, um, uh, you know, what, what, what's in your heart, what you desire. And God's just, you know, don't don't let other people put you down to say, "Oh, that's just unreasonable, that's just ridiculous." No, you know, God's God your faith and delights in it, and, and it's not it's a reasonable faith to have because you trust in you know, a God who can do the impossible. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah Maureen I don't know you. We found out with each other's name last week, didn't we? <laughs> I was thinking about you um, and looked across. I thought God wanted to encourage you thinking about the book of Esther and the character of Esther, I think one of the reasons that she succeeded was she she knew who to listen to, and I reckon in that hiring there were probably a whole load of gossipy women, uh, but she didn't listen to them, did she? She listened to the chief eunuch uh, and her uncle and she followed them and had faith, so just wanted to encourage you to yeah. continue to do that. <laughs> Cheers.
3: And Richard, I think everybody would agree with me that that doesn't take profit it, to know that you are so faithful. Mm-hmm. So faithful. I just want to honor you for that because really there's a lot of things that wouldn't happen if you were not around. And uh, on the back of that, I'm really fed um, about the uh, power of the talents for you. And uh, I almost see you like say to God, God I don't have that much. You know? But actually, God said, no, that's not true. Because by your faithfulness, everything you have, you have been multiplying, you have actually used it, you have been fruitful <coughs> And to remind you that Jesus, I um, said that, you know, if, if I can trust you with little, I can trust you with much as well. Yeah. So do not limit yourself, yeah, and man. to not live under something like, oh, that's it, I've reached up, what I can do for, for you, God. Because God is God bigger plan for you because you have been so thankful with me to only want to trust you with a lot more. And he really likes the way you're serving because not only you, you don't do it as a duty but really as an act of worship to him.
2: Um. We could we could go on forever and be great, but uh, I just I just really sense um, something happened in the worship. Fiona brought a word about God giving out gifts, and uh, and also I don't know if you noticed at one point one of the children came in with um, some bells. I don't know if you heard that, and uh, we were sort of obviously we were in worship, but we did have a little bit of a joke singing that Father Christmas had come, <laughs> um, uh, and then and then Jamie said, oh, bringing gifts. And I just feel that actually there is a uh, there's a there's an anointing all this today for God to say actually this isn't just for the the, the four of us um, the, the hearing from God and encouraging is for everyone so I just want us to stand because I believe God wants to just impart that gift of being able to to hear from God and to bless others and it just starts with encouraging you don't have to try and think for hours, uh, you know, about this. You just say, I just want to encourage. That's how I started in in prophecy. I just wanted to encourage someone. And I just stepped out and I believe God spoke to me. So can we just just raise our hands? Because actually God wants everyone to be filled with the gift of encouragement, the gift of prophecy that will build up each other. And so that we can, in our small groups, in our community groups, and in our homes, and wherever we are, and in our workplaces, we can Bring a blessing of God, we can speak life into it. Yeah. And, uh, and Lord, we just thank you for what you've been speaking about. Thank you for uh, that word about bring, uh, pouring out gifts. Lord, we've uh, come into your throne room and Lord, we just say now, will you give us that gift of encouragement? Give us that gift of prophecy so that when we speak, Lord, we can bring your words to lift up and to bring life into other people's lives. Thank you, God, that you bring life into our lives. You've spoken. And Lord, we want to bring some of that life into the lives of others, Lord. Whether it be our families, whether it be our community group, whether it be our work colleagues. God, we just want to bring life. We don't have to be over spiritual about it. We can just speak good things. Yes. And Lord, I pray now, I just claim now that each one of us will have something to bring, even this week, to encourage, to lift up, to build a new <coughs> life. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for the, the good things that we have in us, God, and we want to bring them to others in Jesus' name. Yeah,
0: Just for all of us, just want to say that there's moments in people's stories in the Bible that they get a name change. Uh, Josh, uh, the, the, uh, Gideon got a name change um, when he did his exploits. Abraham got a name change. And I uh, just feel that, just to prophesy over us today, that, that God's giving this church a name change. Yeah. Um, the spiritual name change of who we're called to be yeah. and the impact we're called to be assured of having. Mm. So God calls us by another name and we're not to say any longer, well, that's a church where people don't get saved or that's a church where we haven't had this, we haven't done that. Just believe that God is giving us a new ch- name change and we're yeah. to speak about ourselves in a new way. Yeah. Declaring over ourselves in a new way. We're yeah. a place where people get saved easily. Yeah. We're a mm. place where mm. there's going to be lots and lots of new uh, baby Christians, in we're we're a place that's ready. That's what Paul's been doing with foundations. With getting ready, we're building a crash where we can build good foundations, and you know, the out of a pool that you're going to have. Many new babies in that. They're going to be drinking deep of of who they are in Christ and yes. the work of the Holy Spirit and the glory of the church. They're going to be drinking deep, and God sees your faithfulness over these weeks of working hard to get that done. And we prophesy a room full of new babies in Christ. We say, "You're giving us a new name, God. You're giving us a new name. Yes. And we agree with your name." We say, "Yeah, we well, might have found us in the wine press, terrified." And we might have been those who said to you, wear all the miracles like Gideon did. Mm, But mm. we've done some exploits, God. And let's believe that you're giving us a new new change today, God. And we say we agree with the way you call us, God. We're a fruitful vine. People get saved here easily plumps is being transformed. Amen. Our words carry weight. Yes. The that, that proverb says, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but yeah. by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. But we said, there's a higher truth. We speak life to this place. Yeah. Yes. And we said, it's going to lift up. And we said, this, this city is going to have a different name. It will no longer be village and and where the poor, it will be a place where people are bound. Where they are strong, mm. where they are healthy, yeah. where there's entrepreneurial starters, where we export, where we innovate, where we create, and we are going to be a people who inherit the promises that you've hidden in this place for 30, 40, hundreds of years. Yeah. So we agree with your name change yeah, God. That's right. We will speak about Thank ourselves. We will speak about the community, we will speak about the church, we will speak about this area according to the assessment of that's heaven right. yes. now on God. We will make declarations that produce life mm. and yes. lead to life and release life in the name of Jesus. Mm. Yes. And just God says to every single one of you, whatever you wherever you are, yes. you're going to be playing a fruitful part. Whatever you do, you're yes. going to be bearing fruit. Yeah, that's it's right. not, it's that's not right. just one way. God wants to use everyone and everything to bring about this purpose. Mm. In his name. Even the quiet things that we do. Even the things that
1: look like no one ever sees. God's going to be using those. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen.